0: Hello and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast
1: for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson and I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Jenny Brown and I'm Being Boss. I'm Sophie Davis and I'm Being Boss. Today
0: we are speaking with Sophie Davies and Jenny Brown of Primed Marketing, all about collaborating and partnering up and all that good stuff. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. All right, you guys, imagine this. You're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects. You're prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelancer, small business owner, boss who's wearing all the hats. Challenging, yes, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are worth it. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. So to meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can set up online payments and with just a couple of clicks, get paid up to four days faster. And you can see when your client has seen your invoice, putting an end to all the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to FreshBooks.com/slash being boss and enter Being Boss in the how did you hear about us section. All right. So Sophie, Jenny,
2: welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Hi, Emily. Hi, Kathleen. It's great to be here. <laughs> this is Sophie with a British accent, by the way,
1: for
3: your listeners. <laughs>
1: And this is Jenny with the regular accent. <laughs> the non-exciting accent.
3: Whenever whenever we were talking about having you guys on, I was like, yes, we have to have Sophie. I mean, love you, Jenny, but we have to have Sophie on so that she can she can just woo everyone with her British accent.
2: I know so- I'm super smart with this accent. <laughs> and so charming I used to be very conscious of my accent when I lived in London because I thought you know I had a real London accent a bit like Adele um, and I worked with a lot of high-class chicks in the fashion PR industry but now I've moved here I, I have like a halo I almost have this virtual halo that anything that comes out my mouth is smart and intelligent just because I have a British accent. I love it.
1: Yeah. I mean, basically. I love it. I've told other people, like, best business tip, go in business, into business with somebody who's British. Like, just put them in front of your clients and everyone's like, yes, Sophie, we'll do whatever you say. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a smart investment on our part. <laughs>
0: so to give our listeners a little bit of background – You guys have Primed Marketing, and Sophie, you are a content strategist there, and Jenny, you are a web and brand strategist there. You guys both co-founded Primed Marketing together, and we met the two of you at Being Boss New Orleans, so our very first vacation a couple of years ago, which was so much fun, and we really had such a good time, but you both really stood out, and then Jenny, we came across you again in Palm Springs and we started a conversation about being type A and this personality and, and collaborating and having a business bestie and everything that goes into that. So I really thought it would be great to bring that conversation to Being Boss because we were talking about a lot of things and getting really vulnerable. And I think it's a conversation that our listeners need to hear. Whether or not you are partnering with someone, collaboration has helped us bring our game to a whole new level. It's helped Emily and I create something bigger than ourselves, both in our personal businesses with Braid Creative and Indie Shopography, and then, of course, what we're creating in Being Boss together. So I would love to just jump right in. And the first thing that I'd love to know is how you both came to be partners in Primmed Marketing. Were you friends first? Were you guys business colleagues? How did you ultimately decide to partner up?
2: Okay, well, my background is predominantly in public relations, which kind of organically evolved into social media marketing. Um, And I actually started working at a publishing publicist office in the East Bay. Um, during the summer of 2013 which is where I met Jenny um, we had a great time working together Um, it was probably one of the best jobs I've ever done but unfortunately the firm had to change its client structure and had to let most of the employees go including us just a couple of weeks before Christmas of 2013 which was a merry Christmas
1: to you (laughs) it was
2: a real bummer
1: (laughs) But Bad timing. Yeah. But a
2: few weeks later we just decided to take destiny into our own hands and umbrella our individual skill sets and try starting our own business. So that was January 2014. So we're kind of rolling into our third year this month.
3: Yeah. So you guys so you guys were Working together, but were you guys, like, hanging out? Like, were you getting drunk together or, (laughs) like, talking about making babies? Or was it just, like, straight, hey, I'm at the office, let's grab a soda and talk about this client?
1: It was more of a business relationship at that point. That's right, Sophie. Um, Yeah. We, She's like, so, yeah, you thought so too, right? Am I right? Right? <laughs> no, I mean, so when Sophie says the East Bay, we're in, um, the Bay Area. I'm in San Francisco and Sophie's in, um, Northern Marin. And at the time, this job was in the East Bay, so we were both commuting across the Bay, which for both of us, it was like 45 minutes, an hour. Is that right, So Yeah. Um, so at that time, we really, like, enjoyed the work we were doing together in the office, um, There was some really great synergy that was happening in that it was a PR firm, but I was doing a lot of like the marketing, the creating of assets, design, um, email marketing. And then Sophie was really great at taking my work and saying like, how can we promote and create this? Or, you know, who need, who need, who do we need to share it with? How can we cross promote it? How can we make more of the opportunity? Um, and so it just really felt like there was some nice back and forth between the work that we were doing together. But definitely when we got in the car at the end of the day, um, we we both sort of went back to our respective lives. Sophie had young kids at the time. Um, I think your kids were two and five. Is yeah, that right, two and
2: five at the time.
1: Yeah. A- and I was in a full-time master's degree. So we were there a couple days a week, mm-hmm. but we also had like very full lives and schedules outside of that specific job. hmm So we were basically
2: figuring things out. Okay, we're going to start a business. We knew how to do the work, but neither of us had run our own business. Um, So it was a huge learning curve. And while we were figuring things out, we were hired by our first clients who pretty much took a chance on us. Not only did we bootstrap um, ourselves, but it really accelerated our setup because we had to quickly decide on a name. We had to form ourselves as an entity. The client needed to pay us, so we needed, we needed to set a up bank
1: we a bank account. needed bank account to put the check in.
2: Um, and we worked with a great, um, a great person who's now one of our partners to create our logo and our brand identity. Um, so we just, we just started doing the work. You know what you, you guys are always talking about on this podcast. We didn't even have our first website until six months later. We just wanted to do the work and have a better understanding of what services we wanted to offer and more importantly, what we didn't want to offer and how we prefer to work with our clients.
0: I want to mention this thing about you guys. Well, first, I want to ask you what the conversation was like whenever you guys both got laid off. I mean, were you calling each other on the phone like, oh, shit, me too. What are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? I mean, how did it turn? I want to know the specifics of like, well, what if we did this thing together having never – Run your own business and having to make it up as you go, which is another thing I want to touch on. I know that whenever I worked at an ad agency, it's, it's almost like having parents. Whenever you have someone else that's the boss and you never think that they're having to figure it out, you know, like my son and Sophie, your kids probably never think, wow. Mom has no idea what she's doing. She's figuring (laughs) it out as she goes, right? Like we look at our parents as this authority that has it figured out. You never imagine that they ever had to make it up as they go. And so I just want to point that out because I think that in the grand scheme of things, we're all making it up, right? And even working in the most secure places. I mean, I've seen really big brands that are still making it up as they go too. So th- totally. I just love that you mentioned that. And I want to point out that like everyone feels that way. But back to like the literal conversation, you get laid off. Are you calling each other on the phone? Or did you happen to like cross paths, you know, during that last week at the office? What did that look like?
1: So we were really fortunate in that everyone who – it was a really boutique firm. It was pretty small. So um everyone was still – really sweet. And the founder felt really terrible about you know having to let us go. She obviously didn't want to. And so she kept throwing us um, freelance work or contract work that she could no longer take in. And I think we had a couple of phone calls early where we're jumping on the phone with a client. And it almost felt like I, for me, it felt like we we're falling back into that old rhythm of like, okay, well, I'm going to make it. And then Sophie's going to figure out how to promote it. And the seed was sort of planted when we were talking to a client and we were proposing some work. And he said, okay, well, who do I pay? Do I pay you (laughs) or do I pay her? And like, that was sort of the moment that it was like, hold on, time out. And like, Sophie, come here. Like, we'll get a client and they'll give us money and we'll split it. High five business plan. Like it was, there was no like premeditated strategy, or like even some of the things that we've learned that are so important later, like roles and sticking to our sweet spots and how to scale, like all those things. We we knew none of it. It was just, we knew we liked working together. Um, we knew that we had some synergy and we knew that clients were confused in terms of who to pay. Um, <laughs> that was it. And we didn't, even in our formation process, like we hired an attorney, but it was like 50, 50, high five let's business um and i think looking back i'm grateful for that because i think if i would have known sort of everything that can be involved in a partnership not that i re- i would i regret it the way we did it but i think i would have like perhaps talked myself out of it like if i would have gone down the path of like here's everything that could go wrong in a partnership and all the things you need to think about i might have overwhelmed myself but we sort of just like jumped in with both feet and said like let's try it on and see if it works what's the worst that could happen
2: I agree and when we first started we didn't really know too many people in a similar situation to us this was probably um, a few months before you guys had started the podcast Um, it was a few months before we discovered a co-working space that we now work from Um, so we didn't have a community of people that we could you know ask well how does everyone else do this how does everyone else figure this out so we were really, it was a lot of trial and error in those first few months. Um, and then we started to find um, a community through our co-working space. It's a women's only co-working space um, in Southern Marin. So it's like our halfway point that we can come together and work and do all our client meetings. And then I have to say, I mean, not to, you know, to sound kiss us or anything, but we learned a lot from listening to your podcast. This was, you you guys were a saving grace for us. And we were scribbling, we were oh, frantically shoot. taking notes during mm-hmm. the podcast. And and we loved when you guys started the community on Facebook. And we found a lot of great partners through the Facebook group, but also meeting people face-to-face at your retreat. And I feel like the online community through Being Boss and the offline community through our co-working space gave us the support that we needed. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can't create in a vacuum. It takes a village. And we needed other people's perspectives and other people's help to grow and become the business that we are today. Mm. So it
0: sounds like, you know, Jenny, you're like, we just split the check 50-50. Like there was no business plan other than we liked each other and we knew that we worked well together. And I think that's some of how... It sounds I think like, like how me and of, you. I know. <laughs> and I was about to say, I think that's how some of the best... Um, collaborations are set up and even with my sister that's how we set our business up and just in the last few months we've had to really consider some of the things that some people probably think about when they first start partnering up so did you have any reservations or consider considerations going into partnering up or do you think that some of that has come much later
1: I'm shaking my head because no I didn't did you <laughs> <laughs> I, I would,
2: I would jump in to say that we, our roles were very defined when, when we started working with our first clients. So I was predominantly doing the social media marketing on behalf of the client. Um, they were starting from scratch. So I was building their o- audience through social media. Um, and Jenny was helping them with their brand guidelines and helping them on the creative side and also with email marketing. Um, I think. That, that was the way that we decided to start out, you know, how I said that we wanted to umbrella our skill set. And that was very defined.
0: And I was about to say, were those roles defined kind of in your previous working exactly. situation? Mm-hmm. So you kind of went into it already knowing the kinds of roles that you've had before together. Yes. Right. But, but even aside from the roles, like the, the partnering up, Emily and I have talked before about how sometimes... Bringing on a business partner is more serious than bringing on a marriage. Oh, absolutely. Right? There's more assets and mm-hmm. money,
1: and um, but we learned that later. That's what I'm saying. Like okay. I don't. I think in the beginning, had I had we known, maybe we might have. I don't know. Maybe just been more hesitant or dragged our feet, or. But I think we learned for. I don't know when it was for you, Sophie, but for me, it was like the second year of primed at that time i was in the second year of my full time masters degree and i had this moment where i was like oh shit like we started a business like this isn't just some little gig where we hustle for some money and they hand us a check like we share a bank account we you know have we have to file taxes together like it's it's it was a lot more it weighed more than i expected when we started and sometimes not even
0: just the taxes and the bank account, but the vision, Yeah, you know, getting on the same page with the vision. And where are we taking this thing? Because if you're not on the same page there, that can cause a lot of tension and strife exactly. and, you know, like miscommunication. And Okay. So Emily, do you have any questions? I'm like reeling over I know. Here. Not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm soaking it in. I'm
3: going to come out with some big shit in a minute. You guys just wait. Okay. <laughs> well, to sort of touch on that
2: I think Jenny was about to about to say the same thing um, you were just saying you know starting up a business with someone else having a business partner is like having a second spouse it got to the point where I was speaking to Jenny just as much <laughs> if not more than my own husband yep so it is a second marriage and I think like Jenny was saying in the second year of most businesses um, you know maybe there's teething problems at the beginning, but the second year you're really scaling and you're really growing and you really have to put your big girl pants on. And I think we realized that we needed to bring someone else on to help us do that. And we, we joke that this, um, uh, transitional coach that we worked with was our marriage counselor.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, she really helped us negotiate, um, like we were saying, like the whole point, like the title of this podcast is navigating your role to find your sweet spot. And I think that was a big thing that we were doing in the second year of business. Yeah. And Jenny, wait, talk-
0: what was the title of our podcast again? <laughs> well, that's what we pitched enough, <laughs> So maybe to your it might change. Find your sweet spots. <laughs> So then let's talk about that, that relationship that you had with your transitional business coach. What did you learn about your roles? What did you learn about, you know, and how did your roles change after working with that person? Tell us a little bit about that experience.
1: Well, We brought her on in an interesting time in our business um, to sort of dovetail what Sophie was saying about that second year and like how we were building things that second year we were really focused on growth and like we knew sort of the first year you're sort of, you're, you're amazed that anyone's paid you money for anything. You're just like, Oh my gosh, this is a miracle. I made something and somebody paid us for it. But the second year you really start looking into like, how can we do that again and bigger? How can we double it? How can we, you know, do more? And the path that we organically gravitated towards was Sort of, and this makes sense in hindsight, people knew to ask for logos and websites and certain things on the creative side. Um, so we were getting a lot of requests for that. And our business really swung in the creative direction where we were doing a lot of logos, a lot of websites, you know, a lot more on the creative side. And we were having to bring in partners to support because, you know, that's something that I can do, but can't do alone. But we really actually, like our business model shifted in that second year and sort of what you were saying about holding the vision. I wouldn't say we got off track because we were still in the formative years, but we really swung to one side of our sweet spot, so to say. So it was that time for both of us was tense and frustrating because I was holding a lot of the work. Sophie's core genius wasn't being expressed in the vision, and we just weren't really sure how to move forward in a way that that made money and, and worked. Like It just felt like we all were really trying really hard. And we, at the end of, after paying out all the partners, we were like, well, this, this isn't really, wasn't as much as we wanted or expected. And so what are we doing wrong? And how do we fix this? So Laura was really helpful in coming in and she had us do a couple of exercises. But one of the things she had us do is really sort of pinpoint what brings us joy? What brings us energy? What lights us up? And how, how are those things different? And then where are the holes? And those holes became places that we then started bringing in an assistant or a project manager or VA. And so we really, there, there's a lot of shifts that happened as a result of that. And I'll let Sophie tell you some of those. But one of them was really in our roles where Sophie really moved more into business development, doing workshops, being sort of out, meeting people, um, connecting, because she's just a natural, amazing connector. And I really moved more into some of the business structures and systems. So setting up systems for the business, managing our cash, being sort of our CFO, um, which were things that I think before perhaps we were both trying to do at the same time because it was 50-50 and so we should be sharing the load. And really that wasn't serving any of us. So,
2: I think a lot of your viewers who are listening into this episode are either solopreneurs or perhaps they do have business partners. And I think for that first year... Um, a lot of the roles can naturally overlap when you're passionate about similar subjects. And I think it can either happen in that first year or perhaps more in the second year like it did for us where you start really identifying, okay, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? And what weaknesses can I um, outsource to other people? And, And by working with this transitional coach, she was able to identify what energized us and what drained us. So she was asking us to basically write out our job descriptions to see what those natural overlaps were um, and really negotiate our roles to make sure that, you know, like Jenny is a creative wizard and she also loves numbers. She loves analytics. So she geeks out on that kind of thing. I hate that kind of thing. I used to work with a lot of big budgets in my old PR job and I hated it. Um, but um, I now bring in the sales. I'm now doing all the sales calls and bringing in all new client work, which I love doing. So it was, it was just basically, um, navigating that, um, and really understanding, um, what each person enjoyed doing and what you didn't enjoy doing. And how can I outsource that? So someone is doing it better than me rather than me trying to do it, um, and not doing it
3: well. <laughs> so you guys ended up getting a coach to help you do this. Had you tried to have that conversation before, or was the coach someone who came in and just like, "Hey, by the way, you guys need to have this conversation
2: We remember. were having that conversation, but obviously not as well as we thought we were <laughs> yeah, um I think it took us working with this particular transitional coach um but also working with a sales coach as well um, which um. She was another person that asked us to do some really interesting and insightful exercises about each service that we offered, everything that went into that service, how much revenue it went it went into it, how much we're paying our partners, and really take a step back and look at the big picture what's serving us and what's not serving us as a business um, and I think that's the beauty of working with outside consultants and experts. I think sometimes when you're in it, your nose is too close to the painting um, and you need someone else to hold a mirror up and say, OK, girls, look, look, look at what's happening here. We need to rethink this business model.
0: I think also as creatives, it's really easy to take our business super personal and it's hard to look at it at it as this objective entity on its own that requires its own kind of lifeblood, right? And so for us, for me and Emily, this is actually an exercise that we take our clubhouse members through, is that kind of job role description. Even if you're working for yourself, it's so important to outline all the roles that you are fulfilling in your business so that you can grow and so that you can see where you're maybe having energy leaks or time is being wasted Another thing I want to bring up in this conversation is I feel like there's this societal pressure to pay your dues and that work should feel hard. And we are all working for ourselves as creatives because we want to live what we love. But I still think there's this little aspect of if it doesn't feel hard, you're not doing it right. And so I think that a lot of us put pressure on ourselves to – do the things that we don't like doing because it feels like hard work.
1: Does that make sense? Totally. And I think, I think that was, I don't know if we felt necessarily that specific pressure. Um, I think, you know, you're just in those first couple of years, you're just like running as hard as you can to keep the thing alive, you know, like don't die, don't die, right? <laughs> um, please. Um, but I, I, I do think that, Some of that was also, we we really experienced that in terms of what Sophie was just talking about in terms of our business model transition. So if you want to think about the transitional coach, she sort of helped us look at like, who are you guys as people and what do you need to be doing in order for you to be happy, healthy, contributing partners in this business? And then the sales coach looked at the business model and said like, what is your key differentiator? What can you do better than anybody else? What makes you more money? Um, and how are you going to put together a profitable, sustainable business? And guess what? Surprise. Usually the things that you love doing are also the things that feel easy and give you that key differentiator mode. So what ended up happening there was, um, sort of at, you know, that we're having the second year. It's kind of, you know, we're, we're really heavily creatively focused. It's a tense experience sort of for both of us. And I think we had tried to talk about it between us, but. You know, just like a marriage therapist, anybody who's been with a partner and sort of been with therapy, like having that objective third person to sort of like help you see the other person. Like I think this was the biggest part was like this furious curiosity of who is my partner and who does she really need to be to be fully expressed? And how do I just see that and harness that with the business versus like trying to force something into something that doesn't work? So that was work with Laura and um, the transitional coach. And then when we went over to the sales side, um, we had, we were working with somebody. We have a, um, a mentor who had been appointed to to us through the SBDC, which is the Small Business Development Center. So for any of your listeners, there is so much free resources that you can get through the government. Um, if you go to their website, you know, Sophie was able to find us like a free mentor that would check in on our books and help us make all these decisions. So as we were looking at how we were going to change the revenue model, you know, these the sales coach and this other person from the SBDC sort of looked at everything we offered and they said, well, you guys have this thing called the brand plan and it represents the core genius of both of your work. And you're telling me that it's easy and profitable. Why are you not putting all your eggs in that basket? Um, and that that was sort of a critical turning point for us, where it was like we weren't really more. We we decided to stop doing just websites and logos, but really that became the entry point where we start with the foundation. We do like you know, as you say, Kathleen, the brand on the inside, right? And mm-hmm. then once clients come through that, we can open up and talk about uh, logos or websites or social media or any of these other things. But if they don't come to us for that first. Part where we can really intimately do our best work, then, you know, they're welcome to go to other people. And once we sort of focus that way, I just felt like it unlocked so much for us, both as partners, profitability, it felt like the business model housed our sweet spots, versus trying to like make ourselves fit into a business that wasn't holding us.
0: It also sounds like a much more proactive approach to running a business versus reactive. Oh, you need a website. You need a logo. I can do that. I can do that. And then Su- Sophie's probably like, well, then what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. One thing that you guys keep mentioning that I really want to touch on is that second year. So you keep bringing up the second year and it almost feels like this coming of age for
1: your business. exactly.
0: And I... Horrible teenage (laughs) zits. Yeah, right. I know that being boss has experienced that. In our first year, it was a passion project, honestly, that accidentally made money. Then in our second year, the question that we started to ask ourselves was, how do we continue to grow this thing strategically without squashing the organic, passionate energy that created it so i'm curious to hear from you guys what was your second year almost coming of age question like if you had to have a question that you were asking yourself in that second year to kind of give your growth focus and direction what would
1: what would that question be that's a really good question
2: i would say i kept coming up with i kept going back to the question is this the best use of my time so if I was spending an hour doing admin work, such as onboarding a client, um, rather than um, getting on with thinking about lining up the next pros- prospect, um, then I knew that I was not using my time in the right way. So I had to... Um so that was a big turning point for me. That was a question I kept thinking, was this the best use of my time? So I w- in terms of us writing down our job descriptions, we had to really think about what are the what's the kind of minutia, what's the admin that we're doing that's just not um it's not for the greater good of pre-marketing. Um and we need to be outsourcing that work. Um what was it for you Jenny?
1: I think I had a question at the time That I was asking myself and there was a second question that I learned to ask later that opened a few things up. So at the time, it was like, how do we set this up to be productive? Like, Because I'm the systems person, right? I like the numbers and the structure. So it was like, what does the structure need to be so that it's it's allowing our clients to move through the process successfully? It's allowing us to have the work-life balance we want. And it's allowing us to, 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 you know, ultimately be a profitable business. So I think at that time, that was sort of this thing that I was really wrestling with. Like, how, how do we set the structure so that we're creating what we want to create? But I think what really helped unlock some of the things that we experienced in this last year, this third year of really finding our sweet spot was more close, was closer to the question that Sophie was asking the first year. And my mantra this last year has been, is this work that only I can do? Because, you know, I may love for the first couple of years, for example, I was doing our bookkeeping, which I liked, but I'm not the only person in the world who can do bookkeeping. I am the only person in the world who can see my clients and help them crystallize and um, crystallize their vision for their business and put words and designs to what they're trying to create. I'm the only person that can do that. Um and so you know it's
0: funny is like from an outside view, there might be a day, Jenny, where someone else can do that too. And perhaps. then what does your role become? And how does your role evolve then? I think we're asking so ourselves
1: I'm, that now. Like now that we we're, are. Here, yeah. we're yeah. Having like, those conversations now. where do we go now. with the business? Like what you know, I think was it Tara gentilly that was on your podcast talking about legacy businesses? That's something yes, that, that we lifestyle been, versus mm-hmm. lifestyle businesses. So that's even been something that we're thinking like okay you know what what's the next phase and yeah exactly which that feels probably scary right where you're outsourcing only work that you can do
0: (laughs) i once heard someone say that whenever you're the founder or you know ceo of your business really the only thing that cannot be replaced is the vision that you hold the vision for where you want to take this ship and that's Something that nobody else can replace for you, which I think is really interesting, especially as I start to build being boss with Emily and even thinking about Braid Creative. My role, which was very similar to yours, Jenny, that I thought nobody could replace. I've been replaced, but I still have to find my worth and my importance and my passion over at Braid Creative by holding the vision. Exactly. So... Um, Emily, what about you? Have you felt any of that second year coming of age questioning whenever it
3: comes to indie shopography or even being boss? Indie shopography is old enough that I don't even remember. I think it was just like, is this worth it maybe? Or mm-hmm. why am I doing
1: it? It was so long ago. That's because you were in web work. Anyone who right? works in web asked me ask that question. Right? Exactly. Like, why
3: am I doing this to myself? Um... I think for, for being boss, like I almost have, you know how after you have a kid, you don't have any memories of the first two years, <laughs> right? you know, like I kind of feel like that with being boss. I mean, I obviously have tons of memories, but I can only look back at it They're like this lens of like, I remember the best parts and all of the, all of the nasty things or all the questions or like, you know, this poopy diapers you just don't really remember or like it was just part of the process. And maybe that's just me like. Having been a business owner for, I don't know, over a decade now in one capacity or another, like I just, I don't, I don't remember.
0: (laughs) I will say, I think one of my guiding questions to this day that I'm always asking myself, and it's a question that I asked myself as I was quitting my day job, was who am I working for or what am I working for? And it really keeps my my integrity in check whenever it comes to who I'm serving, what it is that, what it is the kind of life I want to create. So like, what am I bringing in a paycheck for? And do I really need to hustle it out to make X amount more dollars if I'm working for something that I already have? Anyway, um, so I'm curious, Jenny, one of the conversations that we were having poolside in Palm Springs was about being type A, and you are admittedly type A. Me too. Um, so is
3: Kathleen. (laughs) I
0: think, I think a lot of us creatives are. Well, at least creatives who are turning our creativity into a profitable business yep. and wearing a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, Um, you know, you guys worked with a lot of coaches. Did you ever examine your personalities and look at how those play a role?
1: Yeah. I mean, Laura Laura did personality tests with us, correct, Sophie? She did. She did. Yeah. Yeah. And do you
0: guys mind sharing Laura's name? Like, do you think that our listeners might oh, be able yeah, to check out course. some of her work? Her
1: name is Laura Reardon. Um, and she is at, I believe it's laurareardon.com. We can, can we send you links and
0: to put that? Of way. course. We'll be sure to include that in our show notes. Great, great. Okay. So you did personality tests. What did you
2: learn? Well, we learned that uh, I suppose I don't like to label myself, but you could call me a reform type A because I refer to my old life as being a fashion PR director in the fashion industry in London. And I worked a lot of long hours, weekends. Um, and I worked hard and played hard, which, and my buzz, my husband, which was my boyfriend at the time, traveled a lot as well. And it suited me. Um, but after a decade of working at that kind of unsustainable pace, I felt completely burnt out around the time that I moved to San Francisco. So, um, so now I'm my own boss raising two young kids. I definitely now believe in having a more sustainable work pace and a more realistic to-do list. Um, because I think, as you know, with both of you being mums as well, life throws you uncertain curveballs when you have two young kids. So having a back-to-back work schedule without any space doesn't serve anyone involved. So I'm
0: a little curious about some like real specific, what does it look like? What does that space look like for you? And how do you actually tactically manage that slower pace? And do you ever get anxiety over like, yes, (laughs) I could, I could be making this happen so much faster
2: if I would just work 40 more hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. So in our first year, I was not good at balancing work and taking care of two young kids. At all. I wasn't doing it very well. I was taking client calls at 8am while I was trying to get the kids out the door to daycare and preschool. I was, um, taking calls from clients on weekends, which is ridiculous. And I was even wrapping up calls as I was literally crossing the playing field to pick up my kids from summer camp. So I wasn't allowing any transitional time from business owner mindset to mother mindset. Um, and that started to stress. Which will me make out. a
3: person angry.
2: Yes. I was overwhelmed, <laughs> stressed out and guilty that I wasn't doing either job very well. So in the second year, I had to really set healthier boundaries for myself, for my family, for my business owner, my business partner, sorry, Jenny, and for my clients. So, so what I came up with, um,
3: So you chose to be an adult.
2: I chose to be an adult. (laughs) But what what helped me a great deal, Emily, was that I broke up my weekdays into levels of time. So now I have grade A time, which is my dedicated working time while the kids are at school or in extended childcare. I have grade B time where there are two afternoons a week that I've already picked up the kids from school and they're working on their homework. But I'm still answering emails and having phone calls with Jenny, and then my grade C time is when I five o'clock onwards on a weekday. That's when I shut shop, shop, close down, and I focus on being a mum. So I know that my grade A time is those times that I take my sales calls, I have my one-on-one client meetings. They're the times I'm fully engaged in Prim's, because if I'm trying to do both things at the same time it doesn't work out for anyone involved.
0: So did you physically map this time out? So I'm really thinking about my acuity schedule (laughs) and I never thought about it as like grade A or B time, but really just deciding, okay, I'm only taking meetings on Wednesdays. And if I only make that time available in my acuity calendar, then it's going to kind of hold the guard for me. So did you do that with your calendar and only allow for meetings during that time, but not fill up that time with, other stuff that wouldn't be grade A time stuff.
2: Yes. So I've integrated those chunks of time into my acuity scheduling. <laughs> um, holla. Acutiescheduling.com slash being boss. And now Jenny and our assistant knows when's the best time to schedule joint meetings um, for our clients and for any leads who are scheduling calls during my grade A time through the website. And I, and they know what times to, I'm just not available when I'm with my kids.
1: I would say that that also helped me as a partner. Just, I mean, I, I don't have kids, but. At the time, I was in my you know doing a full time master's program, so I was pretty involved. But which is
0: basically <laughs> which is a baby? Your baby yes. Let's be real here. Well,
1: nobody woke me up in the middle of the night or pooped on me, so I don't know.
0: <laughs> Except your own crippling anxiety, right, exactly, I'm sure. Exactly,
1: <laughs> you're um, pooping yourself. Exactly. <laughs> 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 yes, like crying on myself. Um, yeah. But it did help me because I'm a verbal processor. Sophie, poor Sophie has to like hear me think things out loud so I can figure out what I think. But knowing when it was her grade A time to get her client work done, I could just shoot her an email and say, hey, let me know when you're ready to talk about this. Versus like in the first year, I was like, you know, like. Just bulldozing my way into her work day. Hi, I need to talk about this so I can work. And so some of that is just sort of like learning the nuance of a partner and really beginning to like be self aware of not only what do I need and how to communicate that, but what does she need? And what is the best time to integrate with either her work schedule or have a tough conversation or you know, going back to that question of, is this work that only I can do? Or is this the work that I need to do right now? So having some of those clear boundaries between the two of us, I think helped us figure out how to integrate a little better. Jenny, did you adopt
0: any of the grade A, grade B, grade C time in your own schedule after learning Sophie's tricks for that? I didn't. (laughs) So, I, <laughs> And that's OK, too. But how have you OK, here's my here's my questions. Like, I think that as as empathic creatives, it's it might be easy for us to feel hesitant or shy or even guilty about saying for Sophie to be like, hey, Jenny, I have this great A time and I need you to not email me or schedule anything during that time right? Like it feels awkward. It almost feels like it could be mean, but sometimes boundaries are the kindest thing you can do for your business partners and even you, know, you all working relationships and even your personal relationships. So did you find a point, Jenny, where you had to really bring in your own boundaries to to like reciprocate that kind of kindness and that kind of communication?
1: Um, yes. And I think – I didn't really hit that point until about a year after Sophie did. So she was kind enough to let me tire myself out. <laughs> um, I think, you know, she, she would say things like, you should eat lunch and, you know, turn off the computer. And I wouldn't. And she'd be like, oh, wait, you'll, you'll eventually get there. <laughs> right. Um, but I think, so I hit that point December of 2015, like right after I finished my degree. And I think, Part of it is – and, like, maybe this is similar to doing your first year of business or maybe you guys have experienced this in times of hustle. It's, like, I think one of my superpowers is I can work harder than anyone I know. And I love, Kathleen, what you actually have said about, like, doing my best might kill me. Like, my best is really good. I might kill myself and everyone else in the process. Um, and I – I've had to learn that like you know just the same way like a cheetah can run at like 200 miles an hour it can't always run at 200 miles an hour. And it was the painful part for me was not so much like putting my ass in the chair and getting shit done. It was more about figuring out what does like a regular normal pace just like Sophie had had to find space. How do I give myself space from the business and space from my own deadlines and, and my own personal passion projects, like I, you know, not taking on a book and a master's degree and a business, like that I, I had a ton of excitement and passion and love for all of those things, but it was a tremendous amount to take on. So what I actually did during that year, like once I finished the degree and was tired and could not stop crying for the first like two months, <laughs> um, I hired a women's coach just on my own. Um, she's phenomenal. She's this little, Hippie that lives in a cottage in the Redwood Forest in Marin. She's like this. Yes, you were telling me about her in Palm Springs. Do you mind sharing her name? Yes, her name is Rachel Rosito. She's a Rose Holistic. I'll give you her link as well. She was so wonderful. She basically gave me rules of like, you must, like, she had me set up a little meditation area in my office. Like, I have a little space and she's like, I don't care if you meditate. But you have to sit on the rug for 15 minutes every day before you turn on your computer. So it was sort of like those little baby steps. Like I felt like a draft, like trying to figure out how to walk. But like <laughs> as she forced me to have space, I felt like I was able to slow down. And that just opened up so many things between just not even like our relationship, but outsourcing and delegating and just not, not holding our business so close to me where it was like everything has to be done yesterday. Um, and I think also holding off on the ambition of like, okay, so now we're at the mountaintop, we're having this success, what are we going to do next, like right away? But really being able to hold the space and say, like, let's celebrate and be proud of everything we've accomplished, full stop. You know, and just sort of letting that, the past work that I've done continued to you know, slow the pace for the future versus like constantly being in that high mode.
0: And how has that worked out? Like has, has business fallen off the face of the earth? Or you could Do you guys like, here's what I've done in my own uh, type A tendencies is I have connected a sense of urgency and stress with success. Mm -hmm. Like to me, I have, you know, bulldoze those neural pathways so that they are connected in my mind if if I slow down it means I'm gonna go hungry mm-hmm. if I'm that cheetah and I stop running at 200 miles an hour I'm not going to catch dinner that night right. it almost feels primal so it sounds like you've been able to slow down and I'm sure it's a constant practice correct sure, me if I'm sure. wrong but what have you learned through that like is business still happening That's is everything okay the craziest part
1: I realized through this process, and Sophie's probably been waiting for me to realize this for a year, I'm in my own way. I'm in everybody's way. <laughs> it's more than <laughs> like, as soon as I slow down, profitability goes up, happiness has gone up. We've, we've brought on more partners. Um, so we have more people supporting in the work. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but to me, When a client question comes in and you watch your team member address it and the problem goes away, that feels like a miracle to me. It's magic. Oh my gosh. So it was more like me getting out of the way and letting Sophie do what she's actually very good at and me getting out of the way and letting our VAs, our, our VA or our social media support or whoever just let them do their job. And I find that the more I get out of the way, the better we're all doing. So it's, it's tough, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, the most boss thing you can do is delegate your way out of a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So I'm curious, you know, coming full circle, you guys entered your relationship more as creative colleagues. I'm curious, do you feel like you have a more meaningful relationship now? Does it still feel like all business or does it feel a little more like you're in the trenches like war buddies together what's it like now
2: I think our working relationship has really improved and we we're very open with one another Mm -hmm. we're very open with one another and we're very um as Jenny was saying we're more self-aware we're more considerate to one another and I think like anything in life challenges make you stronger if everything was just running smooth, I don't think we would have learned from any mistakes. So like, like in parenting, I keep telling Jenny, it's just like when you become a parent, you, you learn from the mistakes you make and it makes you stronger. So I think that's the case with, with running a business, um, as a solopreneur and with a business partner, any challenges that come your way, you learn from them and you get stronger and you move on wiser.
1: Yeah. I think, so, so I've had some people ask me before, like, you know, are you guys best buds now? Like, are you, you know, are you besties? And I feel maybe weird, like guilty saying this, but like, I think of our relationship differently than that. Um, and maybe perhaps in the same way that I would think about, like, my husband, for example, like, sure, he's my friend, but he's also so much more than my friend. And he's also not the person that I would go to talk to about certain Certain places, like some things you just need to take to girlfriends. Um, and I kind of feel like for me, our relationship is kind of the same way where it's like Sophie is so much more than my friend. You know, we have so much other experience outside of just a friendship. And then there's other areas where we have to take things to separate people outside of our business relationship to sort of like learn and process. So. Like maybe war buddies is one, but like, I just think that like partners in any way that know you like inside and out flaws, anxiety moments, like you have, I think you have this really interesting relationship that like friendship doesn't really capture, you know, it's, it's so much more and so much different sometimes. Um, and I think that that's good because you have to have that sort of like sense of strength and objectivity in, in your person, um, you know. That's uh, beautiful. So I love She's that. a writer. She's got a beautiful way with words. <laughs> right? Yeah.
3: Kathleen, yeah. I feel so much stronger for you than... Let's <laughs> declare love our love notes. for one another. Can I write you love notes? <laughs> so, Emily did her top 10
0: for 2016, I right? think 2016, and it was like, sh- I loved your caption. It was something like, just me with my two spouses, because right? half of the was- photos were me and Emily, and half were Emily
3: and David. That's right? So it was funny. it was me and the two people that I'm married to. That's so <laughs> funny. Basically,
1: I filed taxes with these two people. That's so funny. <laughs> right? Mine were half me and my husband, and half Designer vacate in Palm Springs. So. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. There you go.
0: And it's, and it's funny too, because I recently hired Emily's man to keep track of my finances. So it's getting real sister wife up in here. Okay. So final question to wrap this up. I'm curious to hear from both
2: of you. What makes you feel most boss? Oh, good question. That's a really
1: good question.
2: Um, I feel most boss when. I, when it's a day where I'm not working from home and I get dressed for a client meeting and a day where I'm going to be forward facing with my community, Um I've said this, I think I've said this before, I get into a really good mindset by literally putting a great podcast like Being Boss on in the car when I'm driving on Highway 101 to the co-working space and then coming through a door and seeing this community of amazing business owners and knowing that they're women that I work with, that I can bounce ideas off and get different perspectives. I think it's those days when I'm in a community of other business owners. Um, and I also teach workshops there. And I love the energy when women support other women. That is when I feel the most boss. Love
1: it. Jenny, what about you? Um, so I think as like the resident, like systems geek, I think I get, or even just like as a generator, as like a designer or a maker, I think I feel really boss when we've made a thing and we can watch other people interact with that thing and have success. So whether that's like setting up a really killer, um, email funnel in like, for example, convert kit or the brand plan is a process that we've set up from end to end and where it's like, there's automation involved. We've created systems that allow us to not be in the minutiae and just watching. It's like a little mousetrap. You just watch, you know, all the pieces come together and the client feels held through the entire thing and they get a really amazing experience, but we're not actually touching every single part every single time. Like that, that always makes me feel like we've built something phenomenal. Um, so I think that makes me feel lost.
3: Right. Where can people find more about you guys online?
1: Yes. We are at prim.com. It is is P-R-I-M-D.com And you can find us on all of the socials at, at prim, P-R-I-M-D marketing. Did I miss anything, Sophie?
2: No, just to say that our, we spend most of our time on Instagram. That's our,
3: that's our main place. Yes, and they're adorable. You have to go look at their faces.
0: (laughs) It has been so much fun hanging out with you guys. It's so insightful to see how other people are partnering up and the challenges that come with it. And I think that our listeners are going to learn so much just listening to the conversation and knowing that they can do it too and that we're all in this together. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much. Thank you
2: so much for having us. We're really excited to be on the podcast at last. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks,
1: guys.
0: You guys, in 2016, my calendar was insane. There were literally days I would go without eating lunch because my calendar was so booked full of appointments and meetings, and you regular listeners know how much I love my food. So I finally got on the Acuity scheduling train. The best part about setting up Acuity was actually taking a step back and deciding what I wanted my schedule to actually look like. I then designated times for work and times for meetings, and my calendar is looking so much more sane these days. Also, for those of you who aren't very tech savvy, don't fret. Acuity scheduling is really easy and not so hard to set up. It takes a little bit of groundwork up front, but you'll be so thankful for it whenever your calendar looks exactly the way you want it to. Sign up for a free 60-day trial of Scheduling Sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club.
3: If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a 2-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club/clubhouse.
0: Emily, any thoughts? I'm good. I have to pee. Oh,
3: no, <laughs> but you guys just keep going. But at the moment, my mind is my pee? bladder. No, I'm good. We're we're almost. We got it. <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up here I'm in a sorry. little bit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and Corey, you can this. cut that. By the way, please.
1: <laughs> I think you should leave it in, Corey. <laughs> right? It'll blooper. probably be the
3: blooper. There we go.
1: Blooper roll, right? <laughs>
0: actually i would love it if that's a blooper so someone can hear me say emily do you have anything to add and you say no i just got (laughs) a (laughs) pee so people can get off my ass right about it okay back to the interview